0: The Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at EthosMariners. Coming to you on August 11th, not July like I said on the previous podcast, is August 11th, noon. Uh, On today's pod, we are going to celebrate the career, the Hall of Fame career in my opinion, of Felix Hernandez, uh, King Felix is being, uh, honored and, uh, and invited into the Mariners, uh, hall of fame on Saturday. He is a criminally underrated starting pitcher. Um, he is, has a place on the Seattle athlete, uh, Pantheon for me, uh, Probably my favorite Mariners pitcher of all time. I loved Mike Jackson, the reliever that the Mariners had in the late eighties. But, uh, honestly, Felix is my guy and he's up there for me with Griffey, uh, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch, Kurt Warner, those sorts of guys. Um, Felix Hernandez is right there. And I think he was lost in, uh, his performance and his greatness was lost in the mediocrity of the Mariners during his career. Um, But when you look at the numbers, as we will in a second, you'll see just how great Felix was and why he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. On today's Mariners cast, we will also touch on the new uh, MLB pipeline ranking, uh, prospect rankings. The new Mariners top 10, and the Mariners, according to Pipeline, have a new number one prospect. We will uh, chat on that for a minute, and then we will preview the Baltimore Ori- Orioles series, which is coming today, Saturday, and Sunday. Three-game set against the American League East leader, um, and best team in the American League East record-wise so far this season. Or Yes, so... Baltimore, um, we'll talk about today's pitching matchup, which is Kyle Gibson against Luis Castillo. We will cover a little bit of the Orioles' history, talk about their lineup, uh, talk about their pitching, their farm system, and then we will uh, close it out with uh, a preview of Kyle Gibson and Luis Castillo. So let's get started. Felix Hernandez, man. I'm going to wax poetic or attempt to for a little while here because there, you know, he came up in the Mariner system. I believe he was 19 when he debuted Um, a very similar uh, feeling kind of brings up a very similar emotion uh, as when Julio Rodriguez came up in the Mariner system you know, signed out of their home country. For Felix, it was Venezuela. Uh, Young phenom from the very beginning. You knew he was going to be great if he could stay healthy. Very similar to Julio Rodriguez in that that sense as well. Very loyal to Seattle and um, to the Mariners as an organization. Uh, Similar to the way that I think we've, the things we've seen from Julio Rodriguez so far in his career. You know, Felix lived, or lives on Mercer Island, just across the water from Seattle. Um, very private, private family. Used to see him out sometimes when I was bartending. Uh, definitely was dripping sweat. In the, in his prime, he'd be dripping sweat uh, just warming up, and you knew he had had a good time the previous night. Um, and yet he's the kind of old-school baseball player, and yet he still went out there and dominated. Um, so some stats on Felix. For those who know, for those who don't know, I think it is very important to give context to his his greatness and to understand um, his numbers. He pitched from 2005 until 2019. He was 6'3", 225, um, ended with a record of 169 and 136, which does not sound that impressive, but we will talk about that in a minute. An ERA of 342 and a whip of 121. Those numbers in today's game aren't as great, but you've got to understand the context um, of when he pitched, right? He was on the back end of the steroid era. Pitching was not as good. Um, in 2005, the average runs per game in Major League Baseball was 4.59. In 06, it was 4.86. It did plummet down to 4.07 in 2014. But the environment, the offensive environment was different. Um, Pitchers definitely struck out fewer batters uh, in that time. Pitched to contact a lot more. I think the the understanding, the knowledge around how to strike out hitters was less prevalent and less deep. And hitters certainly were not trying to uh, hit exclusively home runs Or they were trying to hit. They were trying to exclusively home runs uh, more recently, which led to more strikeouts. That's changed this year. But leading up to this year, of course, we talked a ton about how um, it was just it was three true outcomes, right? It was homer, walk, strikeout, and that was not the case always during Felix's time. So his numbers look different than the numbers today. But you've got to compare his numbers against other pitchers. 10. So I'm, now I'm going to be speaking to 2005 through 2016, which really was the beginning of his career through the end of his prime. During that time, for context, the Mariners had a 500 or better team only four times. Four out of 11 years, the Mariners had a 500 team. They were never better than 88 wins, which they achieved in 07. They had two 100-loss seasons. They had three 90-loss seasons. So five of those 11 seasons, the Mariners had at least 90 losses. And they only made the playoffs in 14 and in 16, both years, which were towards the end of Felix Hernandez's prime. So bad team, clearly a bad team. 90 or more losses five different times, no more than 88 wins. Okay, that's been established. So now that we've established the fact that the Mariners were terrible for the most part during Felix Hernandez's prime. 10 out of those 11 years he had 11 or more wins. 8 of those years he pitched 200 innings or more. He he never won more than 19 games and he only won 15 games more than 15 games twice but he had six straight seasons of 200 strikeouts in a lesser strikeout environment. And he had 30 or more starts for 10 years in a row or 10 of those years, 06 through 15. He never ran a double digit walk rate. He had only one year of a ground ball rate. That was less than 50% between 2005 and 2016. So you've got a high strikeout, High ground ball pitcher, which we all know is incredibly effective, who pitched on a terrible team and still won the American League Cy Young in 2010. In 2010, he was 13 and 12. This was probably the first year we saw a pitcher win the Cy Young based more on rate stats and the understanding of how he was pitching than simply win-loss record and ERA. He was 13 and 12. He did have a 227 ERA, which I believe led the American League. But the 13 and 12 record typically would not have won a Cy Young, but he was dominant. 249 and two thirds innings, 194 hits, 70 walks, 232 strikeouts. In six seasons, Felix was in the top 10 in ERA in the American League. He has two ERA titles in 2010 and 2014. He led the American League in wins in 09. He's 37th all-time in strikeouts. And the big one for me is... So here are the two biggest stats that say to me that not only is Felix Hernandez a... Well, not only was he dominant over the course of a long time, but he's a Hall of Famer. So between 2005 and 2016... Julio, Felix Hernandez led the major leagues in innings pitched. 2,415 and two-thirds innings pitched in those 11 years. That is first. That is more than Justin Verlander. That's more than Max Scherzer. That's more than any of the names you could put out there. Felix Hernandez is first between 05 and 16. He's tied for 15th in ERA during that time at 3.16. But ahead of him were pitchers that threw less than a quarter of the innings that he did, less than 600. Pitchers like um, Masahiro Tanaka, Tanner Rourke, Matt Harvey, Kyle Hendricks, Noah Syndergaard, Jacob DeGrom, Jose Fernandez, Roger Clemens. All of those pitchers were 600 innings or less during that time. So Yes, he was tied for fifteenth, but really, if you're if you're taking away the pitchers who didn't pitch all that much, you're looking at closer to like number six, seven, eight in that range. But the big stat, outside of the innings, for that period, that ten year period, is that he was second in Fangraphs WAR amongst all pitchers at fifty three point six. Only Justin Verlander had more Fangraphs war over that time than Felix Hernandez at 54-8. That's it. 1.2 Fangraphs war behind Verlander. So according to that, not only was he dominant in that he won two ERA titles, a Cy Young award, led the league in wins in 09, threw the most innings, but he also had the second most Fangraphs war wins. And what are the criteria for making the Hall of Fame? typically it is were you one of or the most dominant player of your time of your era right were you the best first baseman were you the best catcher were you the most dominant offensive player right were you the best pitcher of that era and felix hernandez has the second most fan graphs war for a pitcher between 05 and 16 that is his prime That was his time. That was his career. So yes, 154 wins in that time and overall 169 wins is not great, right? And only one Cy Young and two playoff, his team made the playoffs twice. Not great. Totally under the radar. But if we are to believe Fangraph's war, which I do, Felix Hernandez was the second best pitcher in his prime for an 11-year stretch he was the second best pitcher in baseball i loved felix he had swag he had style he's out there hungover he's competitive he played around with adrian beltre like they were always kidding around that was super fun as a mariners fan to watch um he had that big looping curveball he had it, later in his career it was the two seamer that he threw a ton, but he had a great four seamer when he was younger, and he had one of the, probably one of the best changeups I've ever seen in my life. He was one of the first to throw that hard turbo changeup, similar to now, like what Miami is teaching with Edward Cabrera and those guys, and Yuri Perez and and Sandy Alcantara. Like Felix was kind of the the trailblazer for that changeup. I just, man, I miss him. I don't know if you can tell it in my voice, but I miss Felix Hernandez. I really, truly miss him he was amazing and to me it's sad that he's not you know that he's not around anymore we are watching the most dominant period of mariners pitching i think in my lifetime and probably of the team's lifetime this year overall bullpen uh starting pitching but nobody's like felix man Yes, Randy Johnson was a better pitcher. Randy Johnson is probably the best pitcher of all time in Mariners history. But Felix is my favorite. And I think people have slept on him when he was a rookie all the way through his career and up till now. 30 or more starts for 10 years. Six straight seasons of 200 or more strikeouts. Second in fangraphs war over that time. Never had a double-digit walk rate. Only one year below 50% ground ball. Like, that's sick. And he was human, you know. A part of it for me was I would see him out. I would see him in Belltown at the bars. But it was my dude, man. And and I I wish I could be in Seattle for his Mariners Hall of Fame induction. Um, if he is indeed inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame, that is a trip that I would consider making. Um... He was just he was my guy. And I, I'm really excited to to see and hear him celebrated this weekend because it is well deserved. Felix, you were awesome. And uh congrats. All right. So MLB Pipeline released their uh new rankings, and Pipeline had Cole Young as the new number one prospect um, in the Mariners organization. Uh, Harry Ford was number one previously. I don't think it's anything that Harry Ford did wrong to drop to number two. I think it has more to do with the ascension of Cole Young. Um, I also think that it is a safer bet to uh, bet on a middle infielder than it is a catcher to be great specifically offensively because of the responsibilities of a catcher and the wear and tear of a catcher. So Cole Young's the new number one top 10 goes Cole Young catcher, Harry Ford outfielder, Gabriel Gonzalez. All three of them are in high a Everett. Currently first round pick Colt Emerson is the new number four prospect of the Mariners organization. He is in rookie ball. Michael Arroyo middle infielder in, uh, in A ball, Modesto is number five. Emerson Hancock, who just debuted with the Mariners, is number six. Felden Celestan is number seven. He's in rookie ball. Jonathan Claus, number eight in double A. Johnny Farmello, who has not gotten started yet. Um, he was the second first round pick of the Mariners. Uh, he is number nine. And Ty Pete, the third first round pick of the Mariners is number 10, shortstop. Uh, next 10. Tyler Locklear, corner infielder, Lazaro Montes, outfielder, Aiden Smith, outfielder, just drafted by the Mariners. Dominic Canzone, just acquired from the Diamondbacks, is 14. Ryan Bliss, middle infielder is 15, just acquired from the Diamondbacks in the Paul Seawall trade. Prelander Baroa, 16, reliever in double A currently. Teddy McGraw, the right-handed starting pitcher out of Wake Forest, is 17. He was drafted by the Mariners this, this in this last draft. Alberto Rodriguez, outfielder in AA, is 18. Walter Ford, right-handed starting pitcher, is 19. And Ben Williamson rounds out the top 20 as the third base prospect that the Mariners took in the second round in this year's draft. So all three Mariners' first-round picks made the top 10. Uh, Emerson at four, Farmelo at nine, Pete at 10. Colt Young is the new number one. Uh, When you look at this as a whole, actually, let's start with Colt Young. Part of why he moved up is he's now in in high A. You can see him even potentially in double A by the end of this season. Um, a three-league jump would be a very big deal for a 20-year-old prospect. Uh, this season, he's hitting 281, 407 on base percentage, 873 OPS. He has 29 doubles, 9 triples, 9 homers, and 21 stolen bases. Also more walks than strikeouts, 73 walks, 70 strikeouts. So not striking out, obviously um, uh, making significant contact, doubles and home runs. He has some speed. He's got a pretty swing. He plays a, I'd say, an average to an average shortstop, maybe slightly above average. He's not a quick twitch athlete. I could see him at second, but he would be an above average defensive second baseman. Um, I get it. There's value. There's tremendous value in Cole Young. Uh, Cole Young very well could be the answer to the Mariners' second base issue next season. He's that good. Uh, I think what will happen is the Mariners will give Ryan Bliss and someone else, whether it's Caballero or Dylan Moore or whatever, um, free agent signing, trading for someone I think Ryan Bliss will be given an opportunity to win the job given uh given his age. He is 20, he'll be 24 I believe when the season starts. Let me double check here. Um Yeah, so he's turning 24 in December. I think they'll give him a shot. And but I think that if Cole Young continues to ascend the way he has, there is a decent likelihood that he is the starting Second baseman for the Mariners, either in the second half of next season or towards the end of the season, he will be twenty one at that point in time uh so he's the new number one, like I said Harry Ford hasn't done anything wrong um he's continuing to do basically what he did last year he's got uh in similar number of at bats he's hitting two fifty four with a four thirteen on base percentage and an eight thirty two o p s um Every year so far for Harry Ford, he's had over a 400 on-base percentage. His 12 home runs, which is one more than last season, uh, and he's got 20 steals. Last season he had 23. So athletic, fast, strong, hits for power, takes a ton of walks. Uh, He's probably going to strike out close to 100 times, maybe more. But Harry Ford's got a ton of offensive potential as a catcher. Uh, I just think that because he's a catcher, it is easier to put Cole Young up top. It's more predictable. Um, Ford may, I think their ceilings are similar. Offensively, Ford might be higher just because of his position, but Cole Young is probably likely more likely to hit it. Uh, Gonzalez is having a good year in high A. Colt Emerson is just projection. Again, we talked about the others. Uh, the only real moves that I would have made with my own Top 10 is, I would have put Felton and Celestin at three. I just think he is, um, he might be the most talented player in the Mariners minor league system. Um, that to me is worth something. I know he hasn't done much thus far. Uh, and then Gonzalez at four. So I have young Ford, Celestin at three, Gonzalez at four, Hancock at five. Um, in part because he's already debuted and I think he is going to contribute as a major league starter. Emerson at six, Class A at seven, Montes eight, Pete nine, Farmelo ten. Um, they have a ton of middle infield depth now. A ton. So you've got J.P. Crawford. I think he's going to be around for the next couple of years. Who knows with Caballero? Uh, Dylan Morris, two more years left on his contract, but he can also he can play multiple positions. But you've got Bliss, Cole Young, Cole Emerson, Michael Arroyo, Felton Celestin, Ty Pete. That's not even mentioning Axel Sanchez, who drops I think to number twenty twenty seven on this list. But you've got a ton of infield depth. And anywhere from, you know, 17 years old all the way up to 23 in Ryan Bliss. So they're pretty set in the middle infield. I think the Mariners have done a great job in um, filling that depth. And really it's only been over the course of the last year or two that they've done it. Arroyo, I believe, signed uh, a couple years ago. But then you've got uh, Cole Young was drafted last year, Emerson this year. Celestin was a, uh international signee this year. Pete drafted this year. Bliss traded for. So they really restocked the middle infield. I think they've done a great job with that. On the corners, you have Tyler Locklear, who is probably going to be up next season. Dominic Kenzone, if you consider him a first baseman. Uh, ben Williamson, their second-round pick, has is uh, supposed to be a decent hitter. You can put him in there. So that's kind of your third-base, first-base prospects. Most of those guys are first-base. Um, Lazaro Montes maybe even becomes a first baseman. So third base down the road, I'm not going to call it an issue because you might be able to move a Taipei or Felton and Salsen over there if they get too big. Um, even a Colt Emerson maybe, but uh, for now, you've got a lot of good bats on the corner and then outfield. Gabriel Gonzalez is a, probably a top 50 prospect in baseball by the end of this season. Uh, He won't be up for a couple of years, but you've got him, Jonathan Classe, who I think will be up next season. You drafted Farmello. You drafted Aiden Smith. Cade Marlowe's in the major leagues and is hitting well. Even a Taylor Trammell is a decent, um, still a decent player. And I think the Mariners will continue to add to their outfield prospects. Um, It's not as deep as middle infield, but you can always move those middle infielders to the outfield if you have to. So, I would expect them to look at that, that way a little bit in the upcoming draft or in trades, but where they really need help because of the graduations of, um, of Brian Wu, Bryce Miller and Emerson Hancock is pitching. So you had Hancock come up this year. You had Miller and Wu come up this year, but from there you've got prelaunder uh McGraw, Walter Ford, uh, Michael Morales, Tyler Dollar, Ty Adcock, you know, even Jeter Martinez all the way down in rookie ball. But there's not a lot of, you know, there's some talent there, right? I think Martinez has tremendous upside. If McGraw can be help, can stay healthy, I think he has a, a a lot of upside as well. Walter Ford does as well. But they're not premium prospects, not yet, at least. And I would fully expect the Mariners to go all in, with pitching, drafting pitching in the upcoming draft next season. So that was fun for me to see them change that up a little bit. I agree um, just because of the uh, the difficulty of a catcher succeeding in the major, catching prospects succeeding in the major leagues and Cole Young's um, demonstration of a better bat than I think people realized he had. Uh, but a lot of fun, and I think you will see – Heading into next season, you will see the Mariners' uh, farm system in the top 10 of baseball that quickly, which, again, I bring it up a lot, but there are a lot of people who are highly critical of the Mariners and Jerry DiPoto for being ranked between 20 and 30 uh, coming into the season. It's cyclical. It's totally cyclical. It's about the team's ability to develop players over time. It's player development over time. It's not a snapshot in that moment. It is over time. Five of the six Mariners in the pitching, in the rotation, were developed within this system. Julio Rodriguez, Jerry Kellnick, Cal Raleigh, I go over this over and over again. Mariners are smart. They're really good at it. Let it continue its course. Let it continue its cycle. The next cycle is drafting pitching. Uh, On to the Orioles. So real quick history of the Orioles. They were one of eight charter teams in the American league in 1901. They were in Milwaukee for their first year, uh, from Oh two until 1954, they were in St. Louis. Uh, they were the St. Louis Browns. They were purchased by a syndicate of Baltimore folk and moved to Baltimore in 1954. Uh, Camden yards opened in 92 replaced Memorial stadium, uh, Kennedy Yards was kind of the trailblazer for the new style, beautiful stadiums. Um, I have not been. It's one of the stadiums on my bucket list. It's one of the few I haven't seen. I hope to see it soon. I don't have a ton of reason to go to Baltimore except for for the uh, Crab, but um, I would certainly go for an Orioles game, specifically a Mariners-Orioles game. Uh, They were a wildcard team in 96, 12, and 16 They won an AL East title in 69. They won five in the seventies and then 87 or 83, 97, and 14. They represented the American league in the world series in 44, 66, three years, 69, 70, 71, 79, and 83. And they have three world series titles, 1966, 1970, and 1983. They are owned by the Angelos family. Peter Angelos is the primary owner president, John Angelos, uh, GM, Michael Elias manager, Brandon Hyde. Uh, I remember growing up hearing about the Oriole way. Uh, this was 1966 through 1983. It was really a, uh, it was a, a mindset or a mentality or a philosophy in how to build a team. Um, in terms of approach mental approach, uh, focus, those sorts of things during this stretch between 66 and 83 Orioles had three MVPs, Frank Robinson, Boog Powell and Cal Ripken jr. They had four Oriole pitchers had combined for six Cy Young awards, Mike Cuellar, Jim Palmer had three, Mike Flanagan and Steve stone. And then they had three rookie of the years, Al Bumbrey Ed, Ed, Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken jr. Um, Earl Weaver was their manager during a lot of this. He was famous for trying to play for the three-run homer. Um, I remember that as a kid as well. And then in 88, uh, they started 0-21. They finished with 107 losses. Uh, Obviously, Cal Ripken Jr. broke Lou Gehrig's record of 2,130 consecutive games played. Uh, Two other things before we move on to the current team. I found it interesting that Peter Angelos was a labor attorney. Uh, he's been a bit of a publicly a poor owner. Um, expect, you know, he's done some things that people haven't agreed with. But this is one thing I found interesting, that he was a labor attorney, so he refused to use replacement players uh, during the lot the 94 strike or lockout. I'm not sure which one it was. And they were going to use replacement players in 95 or scabs and because he was a labor attorney and his values, he refused to uh, to participate in that. They ended up not having to, but the the I find it interesting that he was going to abstain from putting a team out there. Uh, kind of cool. And had he done it, Ripken's streak would have been over. Um, so I think it's kind of cool that he he stood on his own in that way. One other note with the Orioles um, concerning the Mariners. I will never forget the Mariners trading uh outfield prospect Adam Jones, who ended up being great, who you could tell was going to be very good when he was on the Mariners. Left-handed reliever, George Sherrill, and then three minor league pitchers, Chris Tillman, who was a decent um starting pitcher for a while. Cam McCollio and Tony Butler. The Mariners traded for left-handed starter Eric Bedard. Uh I was excited. I liked Bedard. Um, I thought he was going to be good. He was prickly. He wasn't very good. And the Mariners gave up Adam Jones to get him. Uh, All right. So, and that was in 07. So enough on the history of the Orioles. Their current team, lineup according to roster resource, which is for the most part what I've seen, is they're leading off with Adley Rutschman, which is really different to lead off with a catcher. Uh, This is because he has a 13.5% walk rate and a 373 on-base percentage. Um, I like it. The last one that I can really remember is I think JT Riomuto let off a little bit in his career, and Jason Kendall, the old Pirates catcher, used to lead off. So, Rutschman leads off. Gunnar Henderson, their top prospect, uh, rookie, Shortstop, left-handed hitter, hits second. Anthony Santander, switch-hitting right fielder, hits third. Ryan O'Hearn against right-handers, hits fourth. Left-handed hitter, uh, played with the Royals previously. Ryan Malcastle, DH, hits fifth. He's having a great year, hitting 268, 314, 479, which doesn't look that great. 15 home runs, um, 114 WRC+, plus, but better than what I expected from him. Uh, Cedric Mullins is back off the injured list. He hits 6th in center field. 7th is Austin Hayes, having a surprising year. 108 WRC+, 281, 323, 440, triple slash, 10 home runs. Adam Frazier, former Mariner, uh, didn't like him as a Mariner, still don't like him as a player with the Orioles. Adam Frazier is hitting 244, 305, 421, 100 WRC+. Hits 8th at 2nd, and then Ramon Urias hits ninth at 3rd base. Of note, uh, Anthony Santander leads the team with 20 home runs. Gunnar Henderson is 2nd with 19. Jorge Mateo, who's on their bench now, was their starting shortstop. Has 25 stolen bases on the season. He's 1st. Mullins, despite the injuries, is 2nd with 14. Uh, not a ton of walks. Colton Couser, uh, they've called up from AAA. Uh, left-handed bat, former number five pick overall in the draft, has a 15% walk rate so far. Um, he is on the bench, but can uh, can hit against uh, tough right-handed pitchers. What else is of note in their offense? Um, very balanced, right? So averages uh, are WRC Plus across the board, Rutschman 127, Santander 120, Gunnar Henderson 117, Austin Hayes 108, 108. Ryan Mountcastle, 114, Cedric Mullins, 122, Ryan O'Hearn, 128. Um, So good offense, balanced offense. I think Gunnar Henderson will be a star eventually. Uh, I think Adley Rutschman is already a star. Rutschman, to get a 127 WRC plus from a switch hitting catcher is pretty amazing. Um, He was the first overall pick in 2019 out of Oregon State. Uh, so that's their offense. They only, they have three hitters on their roster that are over 30 years old. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, the youth movement for the most part has arrived. We've seen cows called up Westberg called up. Um, Gunner called up this season, Adley last season, you got more on the way. Uh, and you've got four Baltimore first-round picks on this, on this uh, offensive roster in Adley, Mountcastle, Westberg, and Kowser. Gunner was a two. Hayes was a three. So offensive core, super young. Some of them are playing over their heads, in my opinion. Um, and that leads us to the pitching staff. The pitching is okay. They've got a very good bullpen. They've got a couple of dominant pitchers in the bullpen. And they're starting pitching. You know, I think Grayson Rodriguez, their top pitching prospect, who's been up and down this season between Triple A and majors, is going to be a star. He's got incredible stuff. Um, Kyle Bradish is good. I think he's a good middle of the rotation starter. He's twenty six, going on twenty seven years old. I really like the, the pickup of Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, they got him to throw a little harder. And to change his pitch mix a little bit. I think he is going to be effective down the stretch for the Orioles. At least I'm hoping because I have him in fantasy. Uh, and then they have a couple of veteran innings eaters in Kyle Gibson and Cole Urban. urban has been hurt and then got was in the minors for a little bit. But Gibson, who they faced t- tonight, is you know the epitome of an average Major League pitcher who's an innings eater. Uh, smart. Because they had young pitching on the way, but they needed to find the place or find... Pitchers to soak up those innings before these young starters were ready. Uh, Dean Kramer is the other one that rounds out the rotation. He's 27 years old. He has been good as well. Um, Bullpen-wise, Felix Bautista has been the best reliever in baseball so far this season. He is their closer. 54 and a third innings, 11.1% walk rate, 48.1% K rate. Think about that. 48% 48% of the hitters that come up against him strike out. That's nuts. It's totally nuts. He He's blown up the last two games, and he still has a 1.66 ERA. He is their best reliever. Yainer Cano was also an all-star. 54 and two-thirds innings, a 1.81 ERA. Um, he was a part of the trade that they made with uh, the Minnesota Twins last season for... Uh, I believe Pablo, was a Pablo Lopez. Um, I get mixed up, but he was a part of a trade that brought uh, Cano over uh, over from the twins. He's been their setup guy. Danny Colom, who's on the injured list right now, is a left-handed reliever. He has been their other setup guy, but their bullpen has been very good. Um, Very, very, very good. Kyle Bradish has a 319 ERA in 115 innings. And then, Kyle Gibson and Dean Kramer, both four-and-a-half ERA pitchers. So that is their pitching. I would say it, it has been decent. Uh, Bradish and Rodriguez have the ability to dominate at times. They've got a very good bullpen, who I think is tired right now, honestly. Um, so the Mariners pitching is better. But so far this season, the Orioles hitting has outperformed the Mariners. I will say of note, their farm system is very deep. And is a top five farm system, arguably the best in baseball. Jackson Holiday, their shortstop, second base prospect, is my number one prospect in baseball. He is nineteen years old in Double A. Heston Kierstad was the number two overall pick a couple years ago. They got Kobe Mayo, right-handed power-hitting corner infielder. Connor Norby is a second baseman, second base prospect that I would love the Mariners to have. They drafted Enrique Bradfield out of Vanderbilt. He is an 80-speed type outfielder. They're deep. They don't have a ton of pitching left, but they are deep in hitters. Um, Very good farm system. So brings us to the team matchup before we get into uh, the starting pitchers. Baltimore is 71-44. and They are three games up in the American League East. They have a plus 69 run differential. Versus Tampa Bay's plus 144. Tampa has more than doubled Baltimore's run differential, but Baltimore is in first place. They are 7-3 and three in the last 10. In comparison, the Mariners are 62-52, and 5.5 games out in the American League West, and, and 1.5 games out in the wild card. They have a plus 54 run differential, which is not that far away from the Orioles, and they are 9-1 in their last 10 games, as we've talked about. Baltimore scores 4.93 runs per game. That's good for sixth in baseball. The Mariners are right in the middle at 4.55. Triple slash for the Orioles as a team, 253, 321, 424. Slightly better than the Mariners, 236, 315, 402. Baltimore's hit four less home runs. They have stolen the same amount of bases. Uh, Very similar walk rate. Mariners strike out about 4% more often. So offensively, they score almost a half run more than the Mariners per game. Their triple slash is slightly better across the board, but they have fewer home runs, slightly fewer walks, and fewer strikeouts. So put the ball in play a little bit more than the Mariners do. Score a few more runs. Pitching, Baltimore's a 4.10 ERA and a 1.29 whip. Mariners 3.74 ERA, 1.17 whip. So overall, better ERA, better whip for the Mariners. Both teams, a decent ground ball rate, um, 42 43% in that range. Baltimore's swinging strike rate as a pitching staff is 1% less than the Mariners. Um, Baltimore walks 1.3% more than the Mariners uh, from a pitching standpoint. And the Mariners' K rate is 24.8% and Baltimore 24%. So – The Mariners have a slightly better pitching staff. Um, ERA-wise, they perform better. Uh, They strike out similar number. Baltimore walks a few more. And then Baltimore is slightly better offense. So I think these teams are very evenly matched. Very evenly matched. Um, Despite the fact that Baltimore has the best record in baseball or in the American League, and the Mariners are a game and a half out of the wild card. Tonight's game is at 7-10. It is Kyle Gibson against Luis Castillo. Saturday is a 640 start, Cole Irvin, left-handed pitching Cole Irvin against George Kirby. And Sunday is a 105 start, Kyle Bradish against Bryce Miller. Kyle Gibson is 35 years old. He grew up in Indiana. He went to uh, Missouri and pitched at Missouri in college. He is 6'6", 215. He signed a one-year contract with the Orioles uh, this offseason for $10 million. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Previously, he pitched for the Twins, the Rangers, and the Phillies. He was drafted originally by the Twins in 09 uh, in the first round, 22nd overall. He is the epitome of a league average pitcher in my mind. He is 197 for his career, 1,644 innings, a 4.52 ERA, and a 1.38 whip. On the season, 11-6 with a 4.50 ERA and a 1.28 whip. Um... League average for context is 431 ERA and a 131 whip. 140 innings, 136 hits, 117 strikeouts. Uh, just over a 7% walk rate, about a 20% K rate. About 50% ground ball pitcher, so lots of grounders. You'll see that in his uh pitch mix. Um whiff rate is just slightly above average, zone contact is slightly uh above average for the hitter. Lefties hit him much better than righties do, 289 with an 802 OPS. Righties hit 223 with a 603 OPS. So expect the Mariners lineup to be stacked with lefties. He's been much better on the road, 395 ERA versus 534 at home. And through May, he had an ERA under four. In June, it was 684. In July, it was 421. So pitched better at the beginning of the season. He again, he's an innings eater. Last start against the Mets at home, seven innings, four hits, three run, runs, one walk, nine strikeouts. Uh, Kyle Gibson leads with the sinker. His changeup is probably his best pitch. Uh, his sweeper has been very effective against right handers. It is, he throws at 17% of the time, 81 miles an hour, 146 average against and a 49% whiff rate with that sweeper. Um, his cutter has not been effective. He throws that primarily against lefties. So right-handed hitters expect sinker for him to lead with the sinker, tons of sweepers, and then mixing in cutter, changeup, four-seamer versus lefties. He leads with the changeup, uh, throws a lot of four-seamers, throws a lot of cutters as well, and then mixes in some curveballs and sinkers. So kitchen sink type dude is what I have in my notes uh got some U Darvish in him in terms of that pitch mix certainly not the stuff of U Darvish you can see that in for, in his career numbers um five pitches that he throws uh double digit percentage uh usage so you got to you can't really pinpoint one particular pitch against Gibson thankfully his stuff isn't great so um you can adjust on the fly uh but you know just a 35 year old dude that's gone to the mound a ton and is league average. And I think for the Orioles with a good offense and um, needing somebody to soak innings up this season, Gibson has been probably better than they expected. Luis Castillo is going for the Mariners. You know Castillo. Well, if you're a listener of the pod, regular listener of the pod, you know, 30 years old, seven and seven, two nine, nine ERA, one Oh five whip, 137 in third innings, 110 hits, 34 walks, 155 strikeouts. Uh, As I said a couple days ago, his 15.4% swinging strike rate is third in baseball amongst qualified starters. Uh, Lefties hit him much better. Uh, The split is not quite what it is with Kyle Gibson, but uh, lefties hit Castillo much better than righties do. He's got a 2.79 ERA at home and 3.75 on the road. He's coming off a poor start against the Angels on August 4th, in which he went six innings, 10 hits, seven runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Um, that's about it. He's got three pitches above 34% whiff rate, um, four seam sinker slider changeup against righties expect four seam and then a even mix of slider sinker and then a a sprinkling of changeups against lefties. He's heavier four seam changeup slider and sinker in that order. Uh, I would expect the Mariners lineup to include Josh Rojas at second Uh, Mike Ford at DH or Ford or Canzone if JP can't play it's probably going to be Dylan Moore or Jose Caballero Um, but they're going to get lefties into the lineup I think Cade Marlowe will start in the outfield likely in left field Uh, so some combination two of the three of Ford Canzone and Marlowe And then uh, Rojas at second. That would be my expectation, given uh, Gibson's platoon splits. But Mariners have the advantage in today's pitching matchup. Mariners have the advantage on Saturday with Kirby against Cole Irvin. And I'd say Sunday's matchup of Braddish against Miller is pretty even. Uh, Mariners could take two or three in this series. It's getting fun. Super exciting. Uh, This podcast was fun. Again, Felix Hernandez is one of my Seattle sports heroes. I'm really excited to see him be celebrated in a way that he very much deserves. Congrats, Felix. Thank you guys for listening. This was the Mariners cast presented by sports ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino jr. 20. That is T I N O J R two zero. And the podcast at ethos Mariners, E T H O S M A R I N E R S. It is Friday. It is the weekend. It is Felix Hernandez weekend. It is the best team in the American League record-wise coming into Seattle. Start that barbecue, smoke that meat, drink that beer, have a great time. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Again, I appreciate the listen. Enjoy the weekend. Peace.